We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Myself in the same category as Dwayne. Now Artest is jumped over the scores table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Friday, January 24th. We have a special episode, a guest episode. Uh, I'm Nick Whalen. I'm joined as usual by Alex Barutha. And we also have Julian Edlo, a sportsbook and DFS writer for DraftKings, DK Nation, DK Live. Uh, and according to your Twitter bio, Julian, uh, several other outlets. Um, but both Alex and I have worked with you uh, on The Sweat, which streams Friday, or excuse me, Monday through Friday uh, from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern. So make sure to check that out. But uh, Julian, we appreciate you carving out some time on your Friday afternoon to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, the, the beauty of a freelance uh, sports journalist. It's a... Uh, Get to bring your talents many places. Uh, no, exactly. So, how did you end up working at DraftKings? You know, or what is your? Uh, you can kind of take this however you want, but um, you know, what is your day to day like at DraftKings? You know, how often are you able to take an hour or two to, to do a podcast or write something separate? You know, how often are you kind of in the studio in the office with DraftKings? Yeah. Um, so, I, free time is, is is pretty sparing, to be honest. When you mm-hmm. you know you just kind of. Once that NFL NBA overlap hits, um, you never want to say no to opportunities, different places to to work. So um, this was probably the first year that I really like fully booked myself during NFL and NBA season um, and paid for it along the way. But <laughs> it, it was enjoyable at the same time. Um, but yeah, I've I've been working with DraftKings for it's actually going to be five years in April. I can't believe that already, but. Um, 
yet. Started, I mean, just we'll, we'll go back from the beginning for you guys. We were, I was a Celtics blogger um, for some time. This is like right after the, the Garnett and Pierce trade to Brooklyn. So I, I saw the dark years there. Yeah, for so a you got bit. in at the right time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, people. I mean, people didn't want to read about the Celtics nearly as much as <laughs> the Red Sox were. The Red Sox got that 2013 World Series in there. The Patriots were obviously doing what the Patriots do. So um, it, it wasn't necessarily the most fun time to be a Celtics blogger. But by um, you know those for those listening that are trying to break into sports journalism, sell yourself. Even if you don't have the background, you know I, I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. Um, and I, I did not major in journalism, so I had to probably work a little bit harder to get there. But you just kind of bug people, find the right people, email them, sell yourself to them, show them you know the work that you can do. And eventually, for me, that that worked out with uh, with WEI in Boston, um, just getting kind of a weekly draft column for them. Because at the time, people were focused on you know championships, and then it was just all about tanking. So not everybody necessarily knew about the lottery process, about the the upcoming draft. So I got to call them there. And then over time, you just, you know, gain some trust and start covering some practices, start covering some games. And then, uh, yeah, wound up covering the Celtics probably part-time for, you know, the better part of three or four seasons. Um, but that wasn't full-time in sports, and that was something that I wanted to do, and that's where DraftKings came in. Um, I had always been really interested in, in fantasy sports through you know high school, college, and was always playing fantasy football, fantasy basketball, et cetera. Um, so when I saw that they were you know picking up some steam and based in Boston where I was, I just reached out to them, and they said they were building this thing called the DK Playbook and to reach back out in a few months, and um, that just all came came to fruition and worked out. And then obviously since coming on with the DK playbook, it's grown so much in terms of articles. When I first started, they were like, yeah, you do some like barstool style content. And uh, two months later we had a phone call and said, yeah, we're at DFS. Site. We're not going to do any more of that. Can you write fantasy articles? <laughs> well, what, what does that even mean? Uh, for, like, yeah. What, what is barstool style content for, for DraftKings? Like who's the hottest Celtics player? Oh man. <laughs> if you, if it's click on my, go to my DK playbook profile click on my face or name or whatever and go to the last page and you'll see whatever it is they, <laughs> they were very random articles i remember one time writing about the jacksonville jaguars mascot like a nailing Jack- a long Deville, putt yeah. In a golf. yeah yeah that guy <laughs> nailed a long putt in like a to win a charity golf <laughs> tournament i wrote about that um, um I'm, like I'm actually a big jags fan so that's, that's over funny. the years <laughs> oh all right there you go go jags um yeah, so things have, things have changed over the years now with, you know, a lot of DFS and mm-hmm. sportsbook content on, on the playbook, the DK Live app, and, you know, how that has grown with the shows and, and bringing you guys into that and having so many different names and faces on that, um, podcasts, et cetera. It, it's been awesome there, and I've, I've gotten to go, I, you know, I'm in the office there. Steve Buchanan and I have our podcast that we do on, on Wednesdays. Um, during football season, I think we, we bring that out to Mondays and Wednesdays. And then during football season, we're in there on Sundays, obviously, to do the the long sweat show. So, uh, yeah, working in sports is a seven-day thing, as you guys know. And, uh, yeah, I'm probably in the DK office uh, anywhere from one to four days a week, I, I guess, depending on how busy time of year it is. 
So I'm, I'm looking back at your archive uh, on the DK playbook. I'm on oh page. Boy. I'm I didn't on know page... you're actually going to do it on the podcast. Hey, well, hey, <laughs> I, we have a, a crack researching team here. I'm on page 44, and I'm not even a year back in the archives. So it uh, turns out you've been writing oh, quite yeah, a bit. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, I don't. I don't there's even know how far to go back. There. So are you, you said you're a Celtics fan or you grew up a Celtics fan, I assume. Are you all New England sports in terms of your personal allegiances? I am. Um, I, I try not to be as much of a, I know Boston sports fans can annoy people because there's so much winning going on here. So I try to be as, uh, you know, I, I try not to annoy people with that. I try to, a lot of people like to be homers. I, I just try not to be a homer and uh, try and take, the negative approach, I guess, as much as I can. Not necessarily because I believe it, but just to mm-hmm. shed light on the other side. Um, it's also fun just in like group text with my friends, just trolling everyone, getting kicked out. Um, that happens all the time. So <laughs> Take, taking a different angle on everything. The anti Bill Simmons. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> have you? There you go. Have you? This is something I found over the years of, of working in sports. Is, have you found that your fandom has kind of slipped at all? Like the more that you. You know, and guys like you and I are not, you know, we're not at every single Bucks or Celtics practice or game or anything like that. But have you have you felt that the more you kind of cover sports on a national level, you you kind of some of the allegiances that you had that were really strong, you know, when you were in middle school and high school have kind of started to fade away at all? Oh, for sure. Um, It definitely started with, you know, just covering the Celtics and, you know, being in that locker room. Mm -hmm. Um, The the first time you you walk into the Celtics locker room, I yeah, you almost like throw up, you're nervous, you don't know what to do, it's unbelievable, and then it becomes your job, and after, you know, you do it for a few years, you find yourselves, you know, games that as a kid you would be on the edge of your seat jumping up and down, now I'm editing the last half of a game recap because the Celtics blew a 10-point lead with five minutes left, and now they're going to lose, and you got to change your whole night around, and you're... Kind of keeping one eye on the game and one eye on your on your article that you're writing, like it, it definitely changes everything. Which is part of the reason why I I do think you know if an opportunity came up to cover some teams, some that that would be awesome. And I, and DraftKings has had opportunities in the past with the Celtics, and and I think we'll have some opportunities in the future. Which is cool to kind of you know combine the two worlds of DFS and and the teams that you enjoy to follow and cover. Um, but I, I've found that I enjoy being on the, you know, the fantasy and the sports book side of things more than the, you know, actual reporting on teams side, um, which, which is enjoyable as well. But yeah, I, I think that just because of that, the, the fandom has always, you know, changed a little bit. I found myself wondering, is that like part of just becoming an adult or was it because of the job? <laughs> it's definitely because of the job. Yes. Um but but having having the fantasy side, having the sportsbook side, it does allow you to enjoy sports in different ways. You know, like if you last night, I, I Lakers minus five. I found myself a Lakers fan. So totally different <laughs> set of circumstances. Uh, no, that's that's actually a great point. We were just rewatching that game in the office this morning, and it was I think it was what ninety four to ninety five at one point, and then it was it was oh yeah, and then it was one twenty one ninety six. Like we're gonna sweat this one out. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a hell of a Jared Dudley spurred run uh, by the Lakers. But <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you on the the beat writer thing. Like that was kind of my you know I was like a kid like I really wanted to be a beat writer. And then nothing against beat writers, but that job I think has become a little less appealing. I I've had a, a few experiences you know right out of college where I, I covered a few Bucks games during like the Miroslav Verdulica, Gary Neal era, like really dark days. 
for the Bucks, And you realize pretty quickly once you go in the locker room that those guys do not want to talk to you at all. And part of it was probably, you know, they didn't know who I was, but they didn't even want to talk to the guys who'd been on the beat for 15 years, you know? And I think that kind of, the illusion that, that was shattered in that moment was kind of like, all right, I'm not really sure I want to be in the you know, day-to-day news cycle with these guys for you know, eight straight months. Yeah, it, it has its moments. Um, like there were, definitely some, there were definitely some fun times and, and good teams that I, I got the chance to cover that, that you can enjoy moments in the locker room. Um, and then there were others that just were not fun at all and were exactly the way that you described it. So, yeah, I, I think that I always kind of knew that that I wanted to work in, in sports in some fashion and that, you know, when you're growing up, you, you just, you imagine that that's going to be a beat writer for like a newspaper covering a team. And then, you know, that right. evolves into the internet and then just those jobs weren't even there to imagine like, Hey, imagine being a fantasy sports analyst or writer or sports book writer or analyst on camera podcast, whatever. Mm-hmm. That just, that wasn't an option at the time. And now that it's an option, I, I just think it's a much more attractive uh, route to get your, your foot in the door in the sports world. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points and you'll win a share of the daily prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed daily in prizes for its NBA contest. You can use our promo code RW, that's RW, when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Let's jump right into Zion on Wednesday night. Uh, I assume if you didn't watch it live, I'm sure you've seen the highlights you know, plenty of times over the last 48 hours. But he finished with 22-7-3 in 18 minutes. Uh, the vast majority of that production came in about a four-minute span uh, midway through the fourth quarter. In terms of the takeaways from that game, I, I think uh, one thing I noticed, it was on the DK Sportsbook, his, his rookie of the year odds went from plus 1,800 before the game to plus 1,000 after the game, which, which I thought was funny. Uh, we, can, we can get into that and some of those other player futures a little bit later. But um, in terms of the takeaways from what you saw from Zion, um, you know, what, what did you think both on an individual basis and then you know, maybe what this means having him back, assuming he is able to stay healthy uh, for the Pelicans who are kind of right in that, that messy area in, in the middle bottom of the Western Conference going forward? Yeah. Um, so... For starters, I guess as a uh, one of, one of the bets that I made before the season, as soon as that Zion news came out, was the Pelicans under thirty nine and a half wins, and that looked like a lock a month ago. And now, now I'm not quite as confident in it. They, they're still going to have to do quite a bit of work, but this could wind up being close. And I know they lost Zion's first game back, um, but if New Orleans doesn't call timeout and you know give in on Zion, like they could easily have won that game. Uh, just in terms of takeaways from his his debut, I, I thought he was great. I thought he took what the defense gave him. I thought it was very difficult to ask him to get into any kind of rhythm when he's 
playing like the first three, three and a half minutes of those quarters, and then you know you're going to be on the bench for so long. I just think it's really tough to get into a rhythm like that, especially for a guy that, although he, you know, kind of got into the zone shooting the ball at the end of that game, he's not a real rhythm player. He's just going to bully you around the rim, rebound, start the break, play defense. Like, he's got a different kind of game. And I I know we always say not to compare him to anyone. And then the next words out of somebody's mouth is, you know, Charles Barkley, LeBron, da 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 And I just think he's so far off from all those guys. He really is his own player. Um, he probably does need to lose a little bit of weight, but he doesn't need to lose the type of weight that people think he needs to. Like, he's not going to be thin not going to be skinny like that that's his body that's the way he plays um but i there are some things that you see with him on the court that are that sound like corny to describe like the way that he his first touch like when you're the number one overall pick you'd think you're going to kind of you know hold the ball for a second feel it out try and find yourself a scoring opportunity he touched the ball for like a split second and then zips the ball across court Mm-hmm. on a pass, and did that several times. I just feel like that's the type of player he is. He does what's best for the team. He keeps the ball moving, and he just wants to go, go, go. He has that high motor. So just in terms of him, you know, individually and his outlook, I, I kind of liked his debut. I liked his debut if you take the four three-pointers out of it, put it that way. Right, and that was that was something, uh, I think, coming out of college. I, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but knowing someone being a number one pick, or someone of that caliber, you kind of expect them to try to steal the show a lot of times or be this extremely high-usage player, especially when the hype around Zion is there. And then you end up watching him play through summer league and preseason, and even on Wednesday night, and you notice, like you were kind of alluding to, he can just be kind of another guy on the floor, but not in a bad way, just like a really good team player, kind of a glue guy. Um, And that's, I think, what can make him so special is that's his absolute floor, and we're seeing that right now. And I think you're right in that, like, you know, the <laughs> the preseason underbet that you made is looking a little dangerous because if he can just go out there, play 25 to 30 minutes a night and virtually make no mistakes, make all the right cuts, set screens, and be that guy, then the Pelicans have a very high ce- ceiling, especially with uh, Brandon Ingram playing at an all-star level. Like, they started, I'm looking at their record right now. On December 18th, they were 7-22. and 22. Uh, which is probably the low point of their season. And now they're 17 and 28. I was counting my money there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, so what, they have to go, they have to go, what, 22 and 13 the rest of the way to, they to get still, to 39? They still have to be really good. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but been, it's going to be been really good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I'm a little concerned about is they're, I mean, they look like they might be one of the five worst teams in the league like four weeks ago. And then Derek Favors comes back from that long absence after the death of his mother and they immediately become a top 10 defensive team, like overnight. And my one concern, what they were terrible on defense on Wednesday, whether Zion was on or off the court. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the issue yep. there, but he, he was not good. And I think he'll get better, you know, once he gets in a little bit better shape. There was one play in particular where Derek White just gave him kind of a mini hesitation and, and Zion was like immediately two steps behind. Like those type of plays are going to happen in the short term. But if they're going to play him at center for most of his minutes, which they did on Wednesday, does that mean less of Derek Favors? What does that mean for a team that already struggles on defense? Like, I, I think they're going to be a better team with Zion, and there aren't that many rookies, even number one picks, who you know dramatically help their team when they're on the floor when they're 19 years old. But I, I think you're going to be pretty safe, Julian. I, I can't imagine that they – I think they maybe get into the low to mid-30s, but 39 is a lot to ask. All right. I, I appreciate the support there. <laughs> um. yeah, lock, lock that in. We'll, we'll lock that in for you. <laughs> 
Um, so last night we had all-star well, one- voting. Starters were announced uh, as the usual part of the TNT broadcast on Thursday night. This is, of course, 50% fan voting, 25% media, 25% player. I really, really, really do not want to entertain the we should strip the vote from the players debate. I, I don't think it matters. And in the end, the fan vote kind of seems to win out every single time anyway. Um, and that's kind of the point since it's double weighted. Uh, but in the East, we have Giannis, Siakam, Embiid, Kemba, and Trey Young as the starters. And in the West, LeBron, Davis, Kawhi, Doncic, Harden. I think in the West, chalk, you know, nobody really expected anything different. In the East, a little bit of contention, maybe, over the guard spots. But I, I think the guys who you would say should be in over Kemba or probably to a stronger degree, Trey Young, you know, is a guy like Kyrie Irving who's played, what, I think 17 games. You know, Brad Beal is on a team that's been in the bottom of the East basically the entire year. Um, so I, I don't have any major qualms with the 10 guys who were picked as starters. But what, what were your thoughts on that, Julian? Yeah, I don't have a ton of thoughts. And you look at the East reserves and there's just – there's not that much more are the who we think will be the East reserves and there's not that much to to go on. Um, yeah, I, the all-star game for me has kind of, it's definitely fallen off over the years. Like I, I just remember enjoying all the events of it, it more, um, you know, years back and they're trying to change it. They're trying to, you know, bring new things into it. They're going away from the East West and everything. Um, but, it, like, when you look at who should start in this game, I think – so wasn't Jimmy Butler tagged as, like, a front court player? He yeah, I think start that's – In the backcourt? Right. I think that's the main issue where I, I think you'd, re, you'd probably replace Kemba or Trey Young with Butler, but he – I don't think that was an option. Right. Okay. So, like, uh, I guess the next thing is let's find a way to not make that right. an issue when Jimmy Butler probably deserves to start over both of those guys, like you said. So, I don't know what you need to do to – do that they I, I like that they went away from the traditional positions and tried to you know make it whatever they're calling it backcourt and frontcourt so maybe in the future we do one point guard one big three wings because that kind of seems to be how most teams play right. and evolve it even more um i don't necessarily know how you do that but like you said I, i'm not totally concerned about that jimmy butler if this is a close game jimmy butler's probably going to be on the floor at the end of it, I was going to say for the East, but there is no East. It's just LeBron versus Giannis. So we'll we'll see who his teammates are. But you know, he's a guy that is a good candidate to to be out there at the end of the game. So I don't think it really matters all that much. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best Zero Percent Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So where, where do you stand on the Tatum versus Brown debate? I, I think in general, and there's a chance that they could both get in, but I think in general it's going to be one or the other uh, when you start talking about the, the seven reserves that come out of the Eastern Conference. If you had to pick one of those two as someone who's probably been a lot more clued in on the Celtics than we have, where would you lean? Yeah, it's a tough call. And when I'm, you know, I'm going through the potential East reserves, and I, 
I don't know if I'm even being biased by saying I do think that both should probably make it. Um, but, you know, I would have Brown being like one of the last guys there, whereas I feel that Tatum is the guy that should be in. So uh, I'm, I'm Tatum there slightly. Um, I've always considered Tatum the better prospect just because I think he's a more pure scorer. I, I thought that he should be the number one pick in that draft at the time. I wanted them to take him number one as a, as a Celtics fan. Um, and then that trade worked out pretty well either way. So they, they got the guy they wanted and then got a little more, but, um, I, I think Tatum's had slightly, a slightly better season than, than Brown. Uh, but Brown has definitely surprised me more this season after getting that contract. And after, you know, some, some clear down moments, he has kind of, you know, shown up this year as a, as a very consistent player, as a guy that, you know, now we can kind of say with certainty he's going to be an all-star level player year in, year out, it it looks like. Um, Whereas I think people last year felt much more confident in Tatum being that guy and, and Brown was more of a a coin flip. We'll see what we get here. Um, So just, I guess, as a, as a Celtics fan, it's nice to see both of them being, being in consideration here. Because at the end of last season, I, I don't think people thought that was necessarily a given at all. No, especially for Jalen Brown. I mean, I, I think with Tatum, you know, he's he's played well. He's played about as expected, maybe a little bit better than expected based on how, kind of the dip that he took in year two last year. But with Brown, it really feels like he's made that leap. Um, and he's the guy that I think I'm a little more surprised is is very much in the running here. In the West, I've kind of been on the it has to be Mitchell or Gobert for the Jazz train for for most of the season but the more I think about it now as we get closer to the all-star break I, I think both of those guys probably get in as reserves I, I would have Gobert for sure I would have Lillard for sure Paul George for sure and I, I think probably Chris Paul I know the numbers aren't aren't always fantastic with him but with with how good that team has been and how much better than expectations they've been I think he probably gets in he's kind of a legacy guy as well uh, who are some of the kind of borderline guys in the west that that you think are belong in or out yeah, so I, I think that I'm two Utah guys with you as well. They're they're, they're number two in the West right now, right? That seems change to change next night, but yeah, they're they're a half game up on the Clippers after after uh, Wednesday night. Okay, so yeah, they're a you know consistent whatever we'll call it two to four in the West. They've consistently owned home court on uh, in the week, so. I think I, I think I want two Utah Jazz players in because they've both been so good. Um, but like at the same time, like you said, somebody's got to be out. So I, I like the Chris Paul call. Um, I, I'm in on him. I think Brandon Ingram, with what he's done for the Pelicans so far this season, he's become you know uh, the player that that people always thought that he would become with, with the Lakers and just never quite got there. And then he gets his own team this year and we, we see all of it kind of come together. Um, the guy, you know, Lillard, you mentioned, I'm also in on Lillard. I'm in on Lillard every year. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. And then he always seems to be the guy left off the all-star team. He missed the, he missed the all-star game one year and finished like sixth or seventh in MVP voting, um, which is ridiculous. And obviously he's not going to get to that level this year because Portland kind of, maybe the biggest surprise in the NBA has taken a monster step backwards. Uh, but he's still an all-star for me. And what he's done the last two games, obviously, uh, only only helps his case there. 
Yeah, Lillard's one of those guys that I mean, he, he he at least has made it the last few years, but there were a couple times earlier in his career that he missed out, you know, just by virtue of being in the Western Conference. And I mean, he right. was he swept the media player and fan uh, votes this year, being the third guy in the West. So it was it was unanimous, you know, Harden, Doncic, one two, and then he was the unanimous third guy. But I think if you look at the guards in the East, Lillard is clearly you know starting over Kemba Walker or Trey Young if he's in that conference. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think. I love the All-Star game probably more than most in the whole weekend. It's it's always a lot of fun. But I think when it comes to you know determining legacy, it does feel like we're kind of moving away from, from using All-Star bids, which for guys like Leonard is certainly fair. Right. Do you guys, have you covered any All-Star games, any All-Star weekends? I, I did one a few years ago in New Orleans. I think that was 2015, uh, 2016. Not a, not a stabby location. No, no, not so bad I, at all. Yeah, so I... <laughs> I ha- I haven't gone to cover an All Star weekend, and that's something I guess that I would eventually like to do. But I-, I feel like that would be that would kind of bring a little bit more excitement into it. Everybody that I know that covers the events has a lot of fun at them, um, versus just kind of be you know being home and watching the three point mm-hmm. shootout, the dunk contest doesn't have the same flair as that. But I feel like being there and covering it would be make it a little bit more fun. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I went by myself, and you know, really, this this was you know several years ago, so I really didn't know anybody, and that was that was kind of the the one negative was I just did a, like a lot of wandering around New Orleans. But I mean, in terms of the actual coverage, <laughs> it, it was it was a good time. It was it was really funny to see. Uh, like I, I very distinctly remember Clay Thompson after every question during required media availability, which by the way, LeBron just skipped, and there were no repercussions. But I think they the guys had to be there for twenty five minutes, and after every single question. Clay Thompson turned to his little assistant and said, how many more? How many more? Like, those guys wanted no part of that. But then you'd have someone yeah. like, I think Paul Millsap made the All-Star game for the first or second time that year, and he stayed after. Like, he, he was more than happy <laughs> to take questions. Like, like you, could, you could go and write, like, a, you know, 2,000-word uh, profile of Paul Millsap just based on those interviews if you wanted. So it was, it was really interesting to see the juxtaposition between the guys who'd been there before and then the guys who were, you know, even if you're 31, 32 like Millsap was, like, he was genuinely really, really excited to be there. How many page views did you get on your ten page Paul Millsap? <laughs> I think about like forty five we topped out at. <laughs> Forty of those were Paul Good for you, man. Yeah, right. I think he just we did did you see Alex? This is just kind of a sidebar. I don't know if you guys ever get these too, Julian, but we we got an email a while back from Colin Sexton's aunt, or at least someone who said they were Colin Sexton's aunt, thanking us for our positive coverage of him. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean Yikes. I didn't I, know we were positively covering him. Yeah, right. That's what I thought. Part. I was like, I think you said this to the wrong place. Um, okay. Huh. In terms... right, well, I don't have too many I don't have too many good thoughts on Colin Sexton. So Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like I, this, I but uh it was nice of her to reach out, but I I don't think that we were actually following through on that. Um no, I have never had anyone reach out to me and give any positive <laughs> feedback on things that I've said about players. I have only had um Jeff Green scoff at my questions when I used to ask him about why he's so inconsistent and is there anything that he's doing differently <laughs> on a nightly basis, and then he just didn't want to talk to me anymore. That's current NBA. So only neg- only negative to answer your question. <laughs> uh, in terms of the playoff picture for both conferences, so we have Milwaukee at the very top of the East and the Lakers at the very top of the West. Those are pretty comfortable right now. Um, they seem pretty cemented, but especially in the East – um, I mean, two through six is pretty fluid right now. You have Miami, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Philly. Uh, Philly being at the very bottom of that uh, of that six seed. 
they're not really going to slip below that. But they they are not making it easy for themselves right now um, in terms of a like who they're going to match up against. Um, they could easily end up against you know like uh, not having home court advantage against someone like Boston, Toronto, Miami. Um, how would you feel? I guess well, I, I guess do you how do you perceive the issues in Philadelphia, and how would you feel about a first round matchup against Boston, where Boston would have home court advantage? Yeah, so obviously the injuries, we got to see where Embiid gets to. Let's see how Richardson comes along with this new hamstring issue. Um, if I mean, Philly was my preseason pick to win the East, and um, this is usually the time where you know somebody with that prediction would say, well, these guys are injured, or they're going to get healthy, I'm going to stick to it. I'm backing off of it. Philly's not winning the East. Um, I think just don't see it with them like Embiid has his dominant moments but he doesn't have enough of them I can't buy into Ben Simmons in the playoffs um I like Tobias Harris I like Josh Richardson they're good good players Al Horford's obviously the kind of the crucial piece to help them over the hump I think in the postseason um and we'll see we'll see if he can do that so for me like if Philly played maybe Miami in the first round and they were the road team in that series. I would definitely lean to lean to Miami there. I like what Miami's done a lot this season. Um, with the Celtics, I just can't get over the the size discrepancy. Like, there's a reason the Celtics are zero and three against the Sixers this season, and it's because everyone in their starting lineup is essentially bigger than the Celtics' starting lineup. With you know Richardson checking in close to like Tatum and Brown size. And, and he's the smallest guy in Philly's starting. Five. So I, I just think it's such a bad matchup for the Celtics that as long as Embiid is on the floor, I, I'm going to, I'm going to lean Philly in that series, regardless of who has, who has home court. Um, but I, that's not to say that's just strictly on matchup. There. That's not to say that if Philly does wind up, kind of banged up limping in with the sixth seed that they they can't fall uh in the first round because I, I do think that they can right and philly you you mentioned having them to win the east they were uh i i like the odds for them to win the title i mean i think really early on it might have been around plus 900 and then it was plus 750 something around there depending on where you got it and i just thought kind of like you alluded to the size and the talent on philadelphia would be enough to potentially get to the finals and then make the finals um, and especially their matchup against the, the Horford and Bede combination against a team like Milwaukee, you can see that playing out where Giannis has trouble against those guys and then um, so on and so forth. But yeah, like you alluded to, the, the issues that they're having right now in terms of like team fit and the injuries, um, not not especially good right now. I, th- I think the I case... I mean, to- and maybe... Or go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe, maybe it just means that they're a year away or something like that and you just go back and bet them next year. Um, I, I just don't feel like it's their year from what we've we've seen from them and Milwaukee's just been so strong everything mm-hmm. seems to be going right for them so it just feels like their year but at the same time like you know sometimes those preseason predictions come through and these are just little bumps along the road so if we can get a better price on Philly you know maybe they lose some more games with Embiid and Richardson out you can get a better price on Philly to win the East or win the title whatever you want and you just ignore opinions and, and play it because of the philosophy that they just have the guys to do it I think the argument for Philly right now especially is this team always was constructed for a playoff series right I mean like when you look at 
not only the yeah. East, but you know the, the top six or seven in both conferences, almost all those teams are deeper than Philly, especially in spots like six through nine on the roster. You know, Milwaukee has all these, you know, Pat Connaughton, George Hill, Sterling Brown types who are contributing night in, night out. Philly's basically, if, you know, three of the top six guys aren't going, they're probably going to lose. But then you look right now at the updated futures odds. They still have the fourth best odds to win the title. I, I think it's interesting that Philly's at plus 1,200 and Houston's at plus 1,500. Those are two teams, obviously very different in terms of their construction, but I think they've kind of mirrored each other in in terms of how they played this year, where... I mean, Houston, Houston just lost five out of six before beating a pretty undermanned Denver team on Wednesday. Philly's obviously had its own struggles, but it doesn't seem to matter. You know, it seemed like Philly kind of beating Milwaukee on Christmas Day bought them a lot of cachet with, with people around the league. Yeah. And I think Houston just having a guy in James Harden, even though he'll have a one for 17 night, it's not working all that well with Russ. The numbers all point to both these teams not being as good as we thought they are. But at the end of the day, it, it really takes it takes a lot for people to back off of those kind of predictions. I mean, we're talking about Utah. They're, I think they're 16 and two in their last 18 games and they have worse odds to, to win the NBA title than Houston and Philly. <laughs> I guess that is pretty crazy on, on Utah. I, I would kind of lean with Utah over Houston from what we've seen from them. I guess my, my only reaction uh, to Philly having, or to Houston having longer odds than Philly is that I think that's, 100% a reflection of of just the conferences they play in, that Philly pretty much only has Milwaukee as the big obstacle in its way to get there, mm-hmm. um, whereas Houston has to go through the Lakers, the Clippers, Utah, Denver, whatever's in its way, and and is just going to have a much tougher time getting there. So I, I, I would be curious what, you know, a uh, uh, Houston versus Philly series, what the price on that series line would be. Um in terms of comparing them rather than looking at the title odds just because of the tougher path that Houston's going to have. But, um, yeah, when you bring teams like, like Utah into the mix and compare them to Houston, I would definitely rather pay the cheaper price on Utah than whatever the price is on Houston. Um, do you have any player team futures that you've kind of been keeping an eye on on the DK Sportsbook? I, we always check MVP odds you know, every week, and for the most part they haven't really changed all that much. I, I think – Right now, MVP is kind of a stay away for me. I mean, I, I, you can get Giannis at, at minus 177, which I think he's very likely to win it. So I, I don't think that's a terrible number. But, I mean, is there anyone beyond Giannis that you'd really consider betting right now? For MVP, no. Um, and I think that – I don't even think it's that bad of a, a price. No. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate betting Giannis at, at minus 177. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, you know, you. I guess LeBron at plus 900 would be the second guy that I would put my money on rather than, and he's the fourth favorite, rather than Doncic plus 450, yeah. Harden plus 650. I would say LeBron should be finishing in second and plus 900 is value. I just don't think he's going to win it, which is why I don't. I wouldn't want to put my own money on it. Um, I think that, and in, I think the two interesting ones are the ones that people don't pay as much attention to. Everybody wants to be a rookie of the year and MVP. I think the most improved in the sixth man are the two most interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I was staring down uh, Devontae Graham at like plus 600 earlier in the year. Now he's at plus 250, so I'm regretting that one. Luca right there around even money. Like we, The only thing with Doncic is that like we knew he was going to be a stud as soon as we saw him you know, play 10, 15, 20 games. 
still like we saw this coming, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he's still taking his game to like averaging a triple double and has improved so ridiculously much. So I'm just confused, I guess, if if because he's in the MVP running and because he was going to take this leap, if that means he's going to win the award, because I think some of the guys behind him are such awesome names. Graham, Brandon Ingram at plus 350, Bam Adebayo at plus 1,200, like, I feel like those are three really good candidates. Um, yet Doncic is the favorite there. I agree completely. I, I, th- I think based on how this award has gone the last like five or six years, it, it makes sense that Doncic is the favorite. I mean, some of the names that have won it are, are legitimate stars now: Siaka, Moladipo, Giannis, Butler, George. Um, whereas if you look further back, it feels like this was more of a role player type of award, almost kind of in the in the same vein as six man, where you you know you had a run in the. Right. The mid two thousands, where it was you know Bobby Simmons, Boris Diaw, Monte Ellis, Turkoglu, Aaron Brooks, <laughs> guys like that, and now now it's kind of shifted more towards who goes from star to superstar as opposed to role player to kind of minor star. Um, so I think that's maybe baked in, but no, I mean Graham at two fifty, I, I still like. I mean Brandon Ingram at plus three fifty, and Bam out of Bio at plus twelve hundred. I think Bam Bam would run away with this award in most years, and he has the fifth highest odds. Right, those are those are my thoughts exactly. There, uh, it's crazy, and then like Ingram is also becoming definitely an all star right there at right. plus three fifty. Um, and you mentioned like it's guys going from star to superstar or whatever. Like Pascal Siakam is right there, tied with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at plus five thousand. He won it last year. <laughs> I, I he hate was, that he's even he was included higher at one stage in time. <laughs> he, he was even higher at one stage in time. He was like the fifth yeah. favorite. I was like. Nobody's going to win back-to-back Most Improved Player Awards. No. That sounds ridiculous. That can't no. happen. I don't even think he'd want to win that. That's almost like embarrassing. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's kind of a, if you're betting if you're betting Siakam at plus five thousand, that's that's kind of a sucker bet. Um, what about Six Man of the Year? Do you have thoughts there? Yeah. So going over to Six Man, I, I, I think it's a spot where you've got to feel pretty comfortable with the favorite, which is Lou Williams at minus one hundred six. Um, and it's his teammate, Montezaro, at plus 200 is the second favorite, which is crazy. Um, the only other two guys I think worth mentioning, um, Schroeder with how good uh, OKC has been, and then Derek Rose at plus 800. But I, I feel like it's going to be a clipper, and I feel like it should be Lou Williams. I, I think the favorite is spot on at this in this spot. Yet, it, you know, minus 106, that's like standard juice for making a bet. So it, it feels like it's not you're not getting necessarily as ripped off as the minus 177 on Giannis. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I felt like the I feel like the Lou Williams six man of the year makes way more sense than the Giannis for MVP. I feel like the odds are way better. Like you mentioned, like Schroeder's been good, but he's not he's not going to win this award. Like Derrick Rose has been fine. Dragic contributes, but like it's I, Rose Rose is also starting now too. Like I, I don't right. know what the minimum game threshold is to be qualified as six man, but if he starts the rest of the year, he might not even qualify. There is a number, and I want to say it's it's half the games. Okay, okay. But I'm well, not in that case, sure. probably not then. Um, I'm not positive on it. I remember this came up with someone in past years. I forget who it was. It's somewhere around half the games, I think. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. It's basically been either somebody who played for the Clippers or was on the Clippers at the time who's won these awards. Like eight of the last ten guys to win <laughs> Sixth Man of the Year have played for the Clippers at one point in their career. I just, I just think it's you can get if you you can parlay Giannis to win MVP and Lou Williams for six man of the year and get plus two hundred six, which, well, and with six man there doesn't appear to be voter fatigue. I mean, Lou Williams has won 
what three of the last five and uh no I, I was gonna say that sounds too good to be true dk sportsbook lets you parlay some crazy stuff and they're awesome but if you do that it'll say even though it'll show oh, you that, that it's plus 206 it'll say sorry these selections mm. can't be combined this is, this is too good of a bet exactly you're you're too good at gambling we can't let you <laughs> alex we know this is you <laughs> surprised i didn't get the, that pop-up that usually comes up. uh okay i want to touch on some friday uh dfs and best bets kind of stuff uh around that we would normally cover on the sweat i suppose um i i kind of want to know your approach for nuggets at pelicans tonight uh probably a game that's going to see a lot of bets you have New Orleans losing on Wednesday, but obviously the I think people are ready to bet on them because of the excitement around Zion. And like obviously the the Nuggets are the better team overall here, but they're only thirteen and eight on the road. They're dealing with injuries. They've had kind of a uh, they've been traveling around lately. Um, I I kind of just want to get your feel on this game if you think like uh, if if Nuggets plus four is a sharp play, just kind of your your overall views on it. Yeah. So the. Uh... The shorthanded Nuggets have been tough to bet on, I feel like. Um, I took them plus 9, plus 10 in Houston the other night, and they got blown out. And you feel like Houston's kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. But then the Pelicans have been on such a good run, and as good as Zion was, he got him back in that game knocking down four threes. Right. Throwing him into the mix, throwing him into the starting lineup kind of might be more of a negative in the short term, and something that they kind of just have to build upon um, as a team to, to make it a positive. So it sounds like Gary Harris might come back for this game, a little bit of help. We don't know about Michael Porter Jr. who was filling in so nicely. I just feel like there are too many unknowns for me to actually pick a side in this game. Like I don't, I don't want to back the Nuggets right now when they're so shorthanded. I don't want to back the Pelicans when we saw them kind of have a little hiccup with Zion come back in. Uh, this is a game for me where I, I just need to watch a little bit more. And maybe maybe that means make a live bet while the game's going on. Maybe that's something in the game that that kind of helps me pick a spot. But going into it, I, I just feel like too many question marks on both sides. Yeah, I agree. There there are definitely some games, and especially when the injury situations are so fluid early in the day, that it is, a lot of times these are more like stay-away games, even though they are high-profile. And I feel like there is you know pressure to have like a strong opinion on them. But sometimes just waiting till all the injuries are known is, is definitely the way to go. Um, I wanted to kind of in the same vein, uh, or as far as like high profile matchups, we have the Clippers uh, in Miami. Obviously, Miami's home record's insane uh, 20 and 1 at home. Clippers have kind of struggled on the road 12 and 10. This is, again, kind of an injury situation. We have Paul George out. Uh, we got a lot of guys questionable Jimmy Butler, Kendrick Nunn, Dragic for the Heat. But is this a situation where if you hear the news that Jimmy Butler and everyone's ready to go for the heat that you would be ready to take Miami's underdogs, or are you still kind of worried about the Clippers coming in with Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, no, I, I was surprised when I saw the price here. It's so rare to see Miami as an underdog at home um, that if I think if Jimmy Butler is good to go, I'm, I'm cool backing Miami and, and getting some points. Um, at the same time, if he's ruled out, I, I would probably be comfortable playing the Clippers um, with Kawhi back. So I think this is a game that I will probably bet on tonight, and um, I have no idea who I'm going to be betting on because I need that injury report to come out. Right. Uh, do you? Before we touch on some DFS quick, do you have a bet that um, 
like a best bet essentially for tonight, the one that you've been eyeing up kind of all day? Yeah, uh, the NBA is kind of tough for tonight. Um, I'll see if I wind up. I, I would say the two spots that I'm looking at, number one will be the Clippers if Butler's out and the Heat if Butler's in. Um, hopefully if I wind up on the Heat side of that, the, more than Butler, uh, the majority of those guys are good to go and it helps you out a little bit more. Uh, the other spot that I was looking at is Houston minus five, minus five and a half, and I know they've been – We've been talking about how bad they've been lately, but Minnesota is the worst home team in the NBA against the spread. Um, and they just have, if there's one team that Houston can just run out of the gym and they're just going to sit back and take it and not do anything about it, I feel like it's a team like the Timberwolves. I think Houston has like a 30 or 40 point victory over the Timberwolves this year. Um, so I feel like Houston minus five and one side of that Clippers Miami game, uh, those will probably be the two NBA spots I'm on. But then when you get these big 10 game slates, and this transitions very well to DFS. Well, you keep an eye on those player props, and there's always going to be a surprise name that's out or just something that we don't expect, and you can get a great number on a player prop. Um, and just focus on that rather than having to construct a whole lineup can can be a really good way to get in on some stuff. In, in terms of DFS, um, I, I kind of picked out a few spots that I thought looked especially good. You have Toronto... In New York, you got guys like Kyle Lowry at 7,000. You have OKC going up against Atlanta. Uh, that's obviously a good spot that, that people target. Like if Steven Adams is out, we have Nerlens for 5,100. Indiana at Golden State. Obviously, Golden State's had some issues. Brogdon's out. I'm sure Aaron Holiday will be a popular play. I guess, do you agree that those will be the core of most people's lineups? And are there any, I, I guess, are there any guys that, that you feel like are pretty much locks for you on today's slate? Um, yeah, I'm not wild about this slate. Um, like Wednesday was madness on that 12 gamer. And I thought even things on that were a little more clear cut. Um, but yeah, with Brogdon out, Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb against Golden State, like one of those guys feels like a good spot. Sabonis even paying all the way up for Sabonis feels like that can work out. Um, I think having one of the two Westbrook and Harden in a cash lineup as your guy to pay up for makes sense. Um, if you want to stack them in a tournament, be my guest. Um, that generally, I would say, doesn't work out. But I think one of those two guys in cash against Minnesota makes a lot of sense. And you can fit a Sabonis in there um, and, and still do just fine with the amount of, of value I would say on this slate. Um, speaking to you know New Orleans defense, I think Jokic at 9700 is a, a fair spot to pay up for. Um, and all the Celtics news: Cantor's out, uh, Jason Tatum is out. It sounds like Jalen Brown is going to play, so Jalen Brown at guy that comes to mind, but if Jalen Brown winds up then remaining out, then you can look at Kemba, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, all those guys would be very viable, obviously, with, with however many minutes they would have to get. Um, yeah, I, I don't see a ton of huge edges on this slate. Like, Wednesday night, there were guys that we were like, yeah, these guys are going to go like seven, eight times value, and I just don't see those type of plays on this slate. Um, but, I mean, we're all playing on the same playing field, so you got to find value somewhere. Not to roster too many Pacers, but Miles Turner, 
he was just over six thousand dollars a couple games ago. He's forty nine hundred going against Golden State. Like it feels like he could break out in that spot. So definitely some places to keep keep your eye on. I feel like this slate is like one big surprise away from being a really good slate, but it's not quite there yet. All right, Julian. Well, I know we're running a little long already, uh, so we'll get you out of I'll here. But we appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. This was fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do it again. So make sure to follow Julian on Twitter, at Julian Edlow. Uh, you can read Julian, of course, at DraftKings, DK Nation, DK Live. And I know you mentioned earlier, you said you have a pod with Steve Buchanan. What is that podcast called so everyone can subscribe? Yeah, the Panel B Podcast, brought to you by DK Live. Uh, those come out on Wednesday afternoons for the time being, and uh, hopefully we'll get back two days a week at, uh, at some point in time. All right, the Panel B Podcast. Make sure to give that a subscribe on the podcast app. Julian, thanks again, man. Thanks, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.